Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome. Thank you so much for being a part of uh, this webinar. Uh, see people are hopping in kind of as we're rolling. Uh, my name is James Grogan, uh, Larry Osborne with us. Give you uh, an introduction uh, in just a moment. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, this theme uh, today, what unites us. Uh, is the theme that we're going to be talking about. What's you, what unites us as the body of Christ, being so diverse in our gifting as, uh, as individuals, uh, diverse in our context of ministry, um, but we are united by our commitment to Christ uh, and his mission. And so that's really what we're going to be uh, focusing on and talking about Today, uh, as I said, let me introduce uh, our guest, uh, uh, Larry Osborne. Uh, for those who don't know Larry, uh, Larry uh, is a pastor, an author, a mentor, a leadership consultant, uh, written a whole lot of books. Uh, pastors uh, for many years led a great church, uh, North Coast Church in San Diego, actually up if you know San Diego, North County, uh, Oceanside, uh, and many of their concepts that were pioneered there are things that have influenced so many of our churches. Uh, things like sermon-based small groups, teaching teams, video venues, multi-site, uh, Larry's leadership and their church's influence is really uh, on a lot of our churches uh, and the way that we do ministry, trying to reach people for Jesus' mission. And so, uh, Larry, great to have you uh, with us. Uh, and just to say, Larry has been a mentor of mine. Larry uh, pastors a great church in North County. I pastor an okay church in South Bay. And so, uh, and you're alive. Uh, <laughs> been over at Larry's house where he is uh, many times. He has helped me in so many ways as I've stepped into a lead pastor role here in San Diego over the last uh, four or five years. Uh, and so, Larry, I appreciate you and uh, your, your leadership has helped me and influenced uh, the church I get to serve. And I know you've also done that so for so many. So thank you so much uh, for your investment in me and uh, being with us today. Great so, to be with you. Yeah. Uh, here is, uh, let me just kind of jump right in here um, to our first question. And as we are talking, those of you that are watching, uh, feel free right there in the hub. Uh, you can see where to place comments, uh, questions, um, and uh, I will be able to see those. And if you have a question you want to ask or a follow-up question to one of my questions for Larry, uh, make sure that you uh, let us know. Uh, this year, our, our theme at Exponential is Together, the Great Collaboration. And uh, here in Southern California, where Larry and I are right now, uh, we're going to be hosting the SoCal Regional October 7 and 8. Uh, both Larry and I are going to be a part of that presenting. It's going to be a great opportunity for pastors and leaders to come together uh, around this idea of the great collaboration. And if you are in Southern California or near, we'd love to have you be a part of that event. Uh, we'll give you all that information uh, a little bit later. Uh, but the idea of the great collaboration is that obviously as church leaders, uh, it, we understand the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Uh, we also believe in the Great Commandment in Mark 12. So we're going to go and we're going to love God with all of our heart. But I think often we forget uh, what is the great collaboration in, in John 17, this idea that we're to go in love, but we're to do it unified and together. And so, Larry, would you just start by unpacking for us why you think it's so important uh, that we pursue Jesus' mission together alongside others. And you can take that wherever you want, both within the context of the local church we're in and the bigger church in the city and country that we're a part of. Well, I, you know, it's always been, God's plan has always been bigger than, than our uh, boundaries. Uh, so you go way back and uh, over time, uh, a family unit that became a people group was supposed to bless the whole world. And instead, they put boundary after boundary, uh, and uh, they became Pharisees to the point of uh, uh, thinking they knew God best, studied the most, uh, they were the most disciplined, everything, 
and accidentally they woke up one day and when God actually showed up, instead of being his protectors, they were his number one enemy. Uh, and uh, I, I call it accidental Pharisees. I think that same thing still happens, uh, that we just have a natural human tendency in our flesh to do boundary markers, uh, look for ways to uh, kind of convince ourselves that God likes us best or I'm more committed uh, to take the scriptures and turn them from a mirror into a set of binoculars. Uh, that's just our sin nature. And so we've, we've got to fight against it. Uh, it's not just a simple matter of, of yielding to the Holy Spirit, uh, but having an absolutely renewed mind, uh, realignment. You know, he, he, the, the scriptures talk about transformation taking place. Obviously, it's the work of the Spirit, not the flesh. Uh, but it starts with uh, working hard uh, to say, am I living in light of what I know? And I think that's one of the problems that we always have. We don't live our theology. We teach our theology. We don't live it. Uh, and I, I think it's all the more important in this day and age of echo chambers uh, that, uh, you know, you used to be able to reach a community, as uh, the, the way I put it, James, um, because we always lived in echo chambers. They just used to be geographic. And when you had geographic echo chambers and you were a pastor in the South and you moved to New England, you suddenly realized, oh, my gosh, all the things that work there don't work here or to the Northwest or the West or the West of the Midwest or coastal areas. You know, whatever it would be, we're usually unaware of the echo chamber we're in because we're like, as I like to say, a fish in water. Yes, the fish, how's the water goes? What water? That's all he knows. Well, what, what's happened uh, uh, due to, uh, to media the ability to time shift things uh, where uh, we're no longer stuck. Uh, are we physically present or even time-wise are we present at this time? That we have echo chambers now that are by choice, not by geography. And you can have people living in the same house that are listening to two completely different sets because of choice uh, of news or commentary or music, whatever it would be. And be completely unaware of the world uh, that their roommate has or their neighbor has. And so what that means is there is no longer a monolithic sense of a community. You know, uh, we used to be able to say this is XYZ community and this is what the average person looks like. Now you can't even do it on a block uh, because, well, are you MSNBC? Are you CNN? Are you... Fox, are you whatever? And then in Christian circles, we can do the same thing. And because of the choice, we keep choosing our own little echo chambers. And uh, because of that, I don't think the days of being able to reach a community in one church are here anymore. They're gone. So that means more than ever, we have to move from talking about working together to envisioning ourselves as elective Sunday school classes in God's great church in our community. Uh, I always have reminded uh, our North Coast team, that's what we are. We are not God's church in North County. We're an elective Sunday school class. And you go kind of the old uh, Baptist uh, adult Sunday school elective model of an early mega church or whatever they were called back then. Uh, what you would do is you'd be able to reach different age groups, uh, different mindsets. And, and everybody is quite proud of those differences under one roof. But we suddenly feel its division when they're across the street from one another. And that's where we have to change our mind. It's, yeah. it's not division to have different churches, different tribes across the street from each other. That old thing of, oh, there's 12 churches on church row, how evil that is. No, that's great if they see themselves as electives and love one another and all raise the Jesus flag. If they see themselves as competitors, well, then that's totally of the flesh. So I think it's more important than it has ever been and I've been beating that drum for those who ever listened to me talk in those kind of conferences for about probably, oh, I think the first time I did a talk on We're Not Kansas anymore was about 12 years ago. Uh, and it had to do with the rising echo chambers, which are just greater now than ever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to follow up on that idea of how those echo chambers are connecting with us. But let me just say again, welcome. I know we have a lot of people jump in. Uh, since we've been talking, thank you for jumping in. Uh, my name is James Grogan down in Chula Vista, down by the border in San Diego. Larry Osborne coming to you from North County, uh, up in Oceanside. 
uh, area. And so uh, thank you guys for jumping in. We're talking about what unites us uh, and the importance of that around our theme of together, the great collaboration um, coming out of the heart of Jesus prayer in John 17 for unity uh, in the church. And so Larry, just uh, our first uh, audience question here. Um, kind of that idea of, you know, echo chambers and, and even within a household, people are choosing these different, you know, voices, if you will. The question is, do you think it's realistic uh, for people in these social media, media echo chambers uh, to go to church with each other? Well, yes, it's, it's absolutely true. But the problem is uh, that's going to be a very mature Christian. So, uh, so, yeah, I mean, among his apostles, his inner circle, he had Simon the Zealot and Matthew, the former tax collector. And there's no verse about which one won in terms of convincing the other uh, uh, politically as far as a, a oppressive Roman government and what the right thing to do was. So certainly we can do that. But the problem is if we're going to be going in all the world and making disciples, here, well, frankly, here's part of the problem. We think that discipleship is finding Christians and making them better Christians. <laughs> I give a discipleship pastor, that's usually their, their MO. But going in all the world to make mathetes, followers, disciples, is not about special ops Christians. It's people who don't know Jesus and introducing them to Jesus. So at that level, is it possible to get them to come? No. That's what Jesus does to us. Uh, Jesus turns former enemies into brothers and sisters, uh, just like he turned former enemies into sons and daughters of the king. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, there's a, this idealistic idea out there that says, well, come on, we can do that. And I go, I totally agree with you. If you want a room full of mature Christians, uh, but I would encourage you to read my book, Accidental Pharisee, and you'll get my whole download on the problem with that. <laughs> that uh, we think we're presenting to Jesus the best, and what we're doing is we're raising the bar of entry that he came to lower and to pay for. Yep. And so absolutely we can do it. I have great friends who vote completely different than I do. I have family members yeah. with deep love and get along and love hanging out. And we might once in a while talk about issues or say, man, eh, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. But that's our maturity at work. And uh, I, I love to reach people who don't even know Jesus. And I love to have a church full of people who are immature uh, on their way to maturity. Uh, you know, and so yeah. that's that's the issue. We've got to be aware of where we're where we're ministering, not just have a leaders club. Yeah, I, I think of uh, what you just said there. The idea that um, I know uh, Mike Meeks, who's also one of your friends, uh, who led the church I lead now for twenty plus years. Uh, he used to always tell our church, "Because how do you have unity? It, it's hey, those of us that are most mature, we have to be willing to give up some of our preferences first. If you're going to have a church with some diversity there, it's kind of like a house, right? Like the parents are the ones that usually give up preferences for the littlest kid. Most parents don't like watching Disney Junior. They put <laughs> they right they they put it on for the kids. The parents give up their preference, and 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 often some of the reason of that division in a church is over style things. And if those that were most mature would be willing to go, we're going to give up some of our preferences to see, you know, this church reach people. Um, yeah, that's a good word that it's, it, you know, that's a maturity issue there uh, to be able to have that diversity um, within the church. Well, let, let, yeah, let me add one more thing to it, because what's changed now is, you know, long ago, far away in another galaxy, it was worship wars. What changed now, though, is which flag is first, the Jesus flag or the red flag, the blue flag, whatever that would be. And the rise of echo chambers, which is only getting bigger. And anytime I'm with a group of pastors talking about this, I'll ask, I'll say, how many of you hate echo chambers? Every hand goes up. How many of you are willing to give up choice? So there's only three national networks or one news station in your town. None of them are willing to do that. So it's until we're willing to give up choice and all have a, a uniform experience that we now can dialogue out of, we're going to live in echo chambers. And the, the thing about echo chambers is when you live in it, you begin to assume everybody who doesn't have your worldview is either immoral or stupid. And think about that. You get politically to the right. They, they, they all cannot imagine how somebody could have the viewpoints of the left. 
and you get together with somebody on the left, they think everybody who is on the right is a certain kind of, and they, they have no idea of the nuances and the spectrum. And that's because we're talking to each other. Now, as leaders, I, I work really hard every day. James, you know this. I have a about an hour to an hour and a half every morning that is just simply online reading that is very, very diverse. So I'm not hearing what people say about the, from theology to politically, the camps I don't agree with. I want to hear it myself uh, because I want to understand. I'm not listening to affirm what I believe. I'm listening to understand what they believe so I know how I can communicate or see my own blind spots. But that's what a leader does. And for me to expect every Jesus follower to do that, is is unrealistic and so that's why i say we're in a world where more than ever we have to uh, help one another and move away from god likes a certain kind of music best from long ago far away to now it's really okay to be wrong we don't get into heaven on a scantron test and i'm so glad i've changed my mind on things over the years and i'm so glad jesus didn't kick me out when I had some flamingly crazy theological views or life views uh, early on in my walk with God, or even, you know, uh, you know, at times where I was more narrow than he was. Uh, yeah. And so it's not just giving up our preferences. It's letting people be wrong. I believe Christians should be the most tolerant people ever, but tolerance has been redefined. Biblical tolerance is you have the right to be wrong. And I'm going to love you and try to show you truth. And I'm going to win you over, not wipe you out in some sort of spiritual warfare. But our culture defines this tolerance means everybody's right, which is, of course, foolish. Right. Uh, and so we've lost our tolerance because we've, we've moved our metaphor from winning over to spiritual warfare. And that means wipe out. Uh, and so we, we, we love a mic drop moment with somebody who doesn't agree with us more than we love, like, hmm, that's interesting, okay, and learning yeah. to understand. Larry, you've given us several, and I'm, I'm going to repeat, because I think there's real quick breadcrumbs there leading us to the answer to this next question, um, which is those practical ways to pursue unity with one another, you know, in the local church, but even across churches, you know, and, and you've given us some of that, right? Like, like, uh, biblical tolerance, give people the right to be wrong, right? Like, like we don't need to just only be friends with people that all of our theology is exactly the same. Um, and, you know, some of those practical ways of, Hey, be willing to see our own blind spots. Uh, what are some of those other ways that we can practically pursue unity in our local churches? And I would, you know, frankly, in our communities with other churches. Yeah. Uh, frankly, James, I think we get it backwards, that the natural way we try to do it is create unity within and then go to unity without. But I think the way you do it is you start with unity without, and then you're going to have unity within. Uh, and so the part of the problem is, is uh, we have talked about unity. Oh, we have a combined workday, you know, special Easter service or Good Friday or whatever. But then we get up in a pulpit and rip on those who don't agree with us. Instead of lifting up truth, we like to sh pick up error and show compared to my truth and how much better I am. And again, I'm, I'm not a person who says, you know, everything's right. There is right and wrong, truth and error. But I prefer to uh, lift up truth and not criticize error. Uh, and uh, because when I criticize error, when we do that in our churches, you know, about the other churches and other things out there, hey, let me, in fact, we usually take a straw man and make fun of it, and it's a cheap laugh, whatever it would be. We're teaching our people that the Bible's binoculars so they can determine who's right and wrong instead of a mirror to determine where they need their next step of obedience and growth. So getting real practical, one of the things we did long ago at North Coast Church is uh, I realized that... Uh, Everybody I was around and the way I was raised is that uh, we all had a kingdom mindset. We were all for missions in the kingdom, as long as it was overseas or more than 45 minutes away. But if it was across the street, it was a threat. So to, to, to break the evil of that mindset, to move towards where elective Sunday school classes, and it's okay if people go from one to another, uh, we started helping churches in our community. So uh, before we got so large that this place was used, campuses were used 24-7, we had church plants 
that, yeah, you can use our place to plant your church in our neighborhood free of charge. Go for it. Um, you know, in, in the tribe I'm in, there's some diversity of, of theology. It's kind of built on inerrancy as our core thing. But within that framework, uh, you can have a more reformed, a more charismatic kind of leaning within it. And uh, there's one of our churches where I've mentored the pastor over the years, but he's of a slightly different uh, persuasion on some issues than we would be. And uh, they were looking for a, a, a place to have, uh, to meet a permanent site. And we helped them find uh, a, a warehouse and gave them all the information we knew about warehouse churches and how to build it, how to get through uh, uh, entitlement and all that across the street. So the same denomination across the street from our church. Why? Because we would have been thrilled if we'd grown so much. We said, we need to buy a building across the street and we have two campuses with our name on it. How damnable and evil is it for me to feel threatened because another church in my tribe is in that building. Yeah. Okay. And I believe if we start doing those things, buying chairs for a church, plant, we got to start young. I always tell church planters, which of course exponential, you know, is such a church planting focus, start early. It's like tithing. If you don't tithe with your allowance and your early income, you're not going to tithe when you win the lottery. And so you're going to become maybe by the grace of God, become this massive church or whatever. And you're going to still be saying selfish things that you excused early on, but we don't have the margin. No, start with it right now and start across the street. Uh, and anybody knows North Coast knows that, that we do that. We had one of our college career pastors, great guy, uh, wanted to start a church that had a little more of a charismatic flavor in the way he was doing things than we do. And so we blessed him with a, um, a bunch of money, announced him, let him go off. And, you know, he's uh, four minutes from my house is where he planted the church. Uh, it was an Assembly of God church. He just won this year their church plan of the year. And I saw, we were, I saw that. Okay, we were high-fiving each other all day long. But the way I grew up, it's like, oh, you can't, you're our college career. You got all our youth. You can't play it near us. Like, are you kidding me? You know, yeah. Starbucks, Starbucks doesn't care if I quit going to one and go to another. Only the branch manager cares. Like, Starbucks <laughs> doesn't even care if I go to Seattle's Best because they own that too. <laughs> and it's, it's shameful that a coffee company has a better mindset uh, than that's so Christ. Yep, that's so true, Larry. And I, I love just that practical piece for those of us that are on right now as as uh, as church leaders um, that we do have you know some influence over. Hey, how are we going to use resources? And that idea of comparing that to you know generosity personally and giving. I love that. That you know what? Let's start young. And, you know, I, I would just put a challenge out to every leader that's that's with us watching, listening right now. Uh, look at your church in the last 12, 18 months during a time where a lot of us admittingly like, oh, my gosh, we've, we've led during a season. How do we just keep everything going and uh, look at, man, how, how have we helped others keep things going? How have we blessed and, and served? And let me add something to that. Just last uh Last night, I was hanging out with a, a pastor in our town who, um, again, when he came, it was a revitalization, uh, revitalization deal, and I'm pretty good with space, so I gave him a call and said, hey, let me help you out, and so we walked around, a bunch of things he could do to improve it, and and during COVID, uh, we had different responses as far as opening timeframes and stuff, so people who didn't agree with us went over there, and it, it's so funny because we have this history of helping other churches, you know, they'd fall into the trap of ripping on North Coast Church. And he would just be all over their face and go, well, actually, Larry's a mentor of mine. And did you know they helped us with this or that? And, and what has happened is we've had people flow, some who went now, flow, you know, come back to us, and others have moved over there. And, and, and what happens is because we're not shooting at each other, when they get over there, they start going, oh, like I can actually be a part of this church now, have been a part of that church then, and I don't have to criticize the old one. Right. I can just enjoy what God is doing in my life now. We're elective Sunday school classes. Yeah. It changes everything. It does change everything. I want to jump to another question from uh, one of our listeners. Again, welcome, everybody. Thank you for uh, hopping on if you just hopped on. Uh, James Grogan coming to you from Chula Vista, uh, if you're wondering where that is. 
go to the border and uh, you just passed Chula Vista right before you hit the border down in San Diego, Larry up in uh, North County. Uh, so we got the South and the North covered. He's up in Oceanside. We're both going to be presenting uh, at uh, SoCal Regional for Exponential October 7, 8. Would love everybody to be a part of that. Um, and so we're talking about as leaders, how are we not threatened? How can we see what God is doing in other churches and celebrate that and partner with that and promote and foster a spirit of unity? Here's here's a here's a, a good question, turning that on its side. Uh, what do we do when other churches churches or leaders are uh, threatened by us? Great, great. Well, I had that happen early days of North Coast Church. Uh, the, the biggest church in uh, uh, Carlsbad, it's called Tri-Cities, Eric. So Carlsbad, Oceanside, and Vista are the Tri-Cities. Uh, we've got 70 people my first week there. And uh, he's pulling out some old non-compete thing or whatever from his denomination to the tribe I was with. or what. It's the stinking biggest church, and I got 70 people. Like, are you kidding me? which is probably why now it's one of the smaller churches in the area. You know, uh, you read early chapters of Revelation, Lord has a tendency sometimes to say, I'm removing my candlestick. You know, your heritage, your history doesn't matter. Your lack of love does. And by the way, the love in that passage, back to where we started, is not passion like we make it. You know, that's the Righteous Brothers Church in Ephesus, lost that love and feeling. It's a Greek word, agape, you know, loving and and, and, and so my, my take on that, and boy, believe me, at size of church we've got and, and social media and some of the uh, uh, watchdogs out there, I've been shot at by them or churches, misquote. Here's my thing. I always want to go back to Philippians. I want to have the heart that Paul had. And he said, some are preaching Christ out of envy and strife, and some are doing it to cause hurt to me. Nevertheless, I praise the Lord because the gospel is being proclaimed. So, I mean, like, that's one of my short memory. I mean, I've got obviously a lot of scripture I know, but that's one of the short ones that it's not actually written on my desk, but there's a little invisible plaque there that every time that happens and uh, somebody is critical of us and I'm feeling that woes me, that unfairness, I'm saying, Lord Jesus, they're doing out of selfishness and strife. They're trying to build their own kingdom. And, And he just whispers to me, it's my kingdom, Larry. And uh, I'll take care of my church and I'll do it in my time frame. Uh, I gave Abraham the promised land, but I told him he's got to wait 400 years until the sin of the Canaanites is all up. Uh, and so you just rejoice the gospel is going out, even if it's going out from wrong motivations. By the way, that's, that's one of the great problems in this global village we live in with social media. We have Christian bloggers and people out there who think, who have turned slander and gossip. Uh, they've, they've, uh, they put a sign called investigative reporting on it. And uh, we all go and tune in so we can be in the know about people and places and things we have no other connection with besides it titillates uh, our, our itching ears and uh, our, our, our desire to hear slander. So we've just got to go, it's his church. Slander me all you want. Uh, yep. And please don't get online and Christian investigative reporting disguised, <laughs> disguising slander gossip. And, you know, cause Paul could have done that. He didn't. Yep. No, that's, that's a good word. Um, being able to continue to move forward and not let that, you know, not let that stick on us or change our. Well, it will stick on us and hurt. I, we're doing a series called 27 now which we're just looking at the flybys of the 27 New Testament books. And uh, I had Second Timothy recently. And, and what struck me, I'd never seen before, you know, when you're working on the whole book, sometimes we're so into the trees, we miss the forest. Uh, he, uh, it's like two golden threads go through that book. And one is be strong. God has not given us a spirit of timidity and fear and, and all of this to Timothy. And the other is, oh, man. Everybody deserted me at my first offense. And then at the end, everybody has deserted me now. I'm all alone. Only Luke is here. Demas left for the world. And, and so, I mean, the Apostle Paul talks about despairing of life, being discouraged. I, I'm not saying we shouldn't feel bad, but I'm saying when I feel bad and I'm all discouraged, I'm despairing what I need to do and go, go and say, well, what do I preach to somebody who's in that zone? I, re- I preach return good for evil. 
I preach love your enemies. Can I not live my theology? Uh, so, you know, I, in fact, somebody says, oh, I don't really care when you get those shots. And I care. I care big time. Yeah. But, but that's exactly what being transformed and changed by, by the Lord from the inside out is all about. A renewed mind, the power of the Spirit. I can cope. It doesn't mean cope. I like. You know, content isn't I love being without food and clothing and warmth. It's I can cope. Yeah. It ain't going to break me. Uh, and that's through Christ. That's a good word. You know, again, going going back to our own, going back to our own. Can we live out? Can we live out what we preach and believe? Like, man, Lord, Lord, help us do that. Yeah, yeah. If 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 we live out what we preach and believe, I think there'd be a lot greater unity. Uh, you know, in in all of our elective Sunday school classes across our cities and uh, our communities. Um, just a, a practical you know, follow up. And I want to uh, throw out another question from uh, one of our listeners here. Um, how do pastors, and again, everybody welcome. Thanks for being a part of this. Uh, we're talking about uh, what unites us uh, as the body of Christ around our theme uh, for exponential uh, and our SoCal regional event, October 7, 8, uh, down here in San Diego. We're actually hosting that. Uh, here in Chula Vista at Eastlake Church. going to be a lot of fun. We'd love for you to be a part of it. Uh, but we're talking about the great collaboration um, and how can we go and love together uh, in this season and, and uh, where there is so much division, so much tension in our country, everybody running to their corners. As you said, Larry, everybody, you know, waving their flags that aren't the Jesus, <laughs> you know, flag and, and putting those things uh, first, and so here's a question uh, from uh, some one of our listeners here right now: How do pastors manage this tension? Well, there's so much division between, you know, it, shepherding and leading the congregation and pursuing unity and collaboration with other churches. I think you already gave us some breadcrumbs there from your experience, um, you know, and how you've done that at North Coast. But if we could maybe retread some of that. Well, I, I, I think behind that question is the sense we're in highly volatile times right now. Yes. Uh, you know, with everything from cancel culture to whatever, that's the new world we live in. Uh, we're, uh, we're in a just fight and devour uh, one another culture, uh, which, by the way, if you take a look at Romans chapter 1, 18 to 32, that is the end of the downward cycle of a culture. It's not a sexual debauchery like most Christians think. Right after that, he says, so God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what they ought not do. And then every single statement after that has to do with, with slander, gossip, no love, no fidelity, arrogance, you know, cancel culture and everything we live now. So that's a world we're in. Uh, and since that's a world we're in, I can't gripe about it. I just need to feel like a Navy SEAL, uh, a little nervous and a little excited that, uh, uh, my commander thinks that I can actually handle this behind enemy lines. Uh, so, you know, embrace it and go for it. Now, practically some of the things to do is one, you got to let people go. Uh, people who are not being fed or becoming more and more cynical within your ministry need to go somewhere else because cynicism kills. The moment you become cynical toward your leadership, you, you won't grow. Because when they say what you agree with, you go, finally got it right. And when they say what you disagree with, you won't check to see if they're right. You'll go, there they go again. So part of it is we, we're afraid to let people go. Uh, we, we, and they need to go down the street. Uh, and then let it, they belong to Jesus, not me. And uh, I'm not real happy about their worldview. I don't think they're seeing things right, obviously, because we, we did differently. But let them go. Uh, the second thing, though, is don't try to cut the baby in half, which is we, uh, if you're a, a teaching pastor, uh, you, you trust your ability to think on your feet and your ability with words, and you think you can grab two warring groups, stand up, and stand on the corner and help them understand each other and sing Kumbaya, and instead you're just going to be killed. So what I tell people is quit trying to solve the social ills or solve every disagreement, just lift up Jesus. 
And when you lift up Jesus, people are going to be frustrated at you because you're not talking about their crisis de jour, their kingdom issue de jour, whatever it would be. But if you're frustrated with me, I have the chance to speak to you later and help you. If I try to speak now in a world where people don't live for information, they listen for affirmation. Uh, all I'm doing is losing somebody. And when I lose them, I don't have the chance to influence their life later on. So it's kind of like, well, you get it right now or you're gone. And so at this point I go, lots of things are important, but what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, to fix all of society, to help the right and left learn to sing Kumbaya if you lose your soul? Yeah. So one of our traps has been, we've been uh, suckered, most pastors, into trying to be prophets instead of evangelists. I love how Paul tells Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. And when I come across somebody says, no, I'm called to be a prophet, I have no problem. But, you know, if are you sure God called you to be a prophet, or is that cultural pressure calling you to be a prophet? Uh, you know, academics and blogs and people in your church. Uh, because if he's called you to be a prophet, be a prophet, but then don't gripe that you got the prophet's results which is usually death and a monument after you're killed, according to Jesus. Uh, so, that, you know, what I see is a lot of people are called to be shepherds, shepherd the flock among you, First Peter 5. Do the work of an evangelist, which, by the way, is it just leading people to Jesus, great commission, and keep, te keep teaching them until you've taught them to obey everything I taught you. That's what Paul was uh, telling Timothy to do. Uh, and somehow he kept his mouth quiet about unbelievable amount of cultural issues in Roman culture and the oppressive Roman government. And I could go on and on and on about it. Um, and so, again, I don't have a problem when somebody takes that role. I only have a problem when they start griping about getting a prophet's results. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if God called you to be a prophet, be a prophet. But most of us were actually called to be church planters, pastors, shepherds, evangelists leading people to Jesus and training them to walk in obedience. Yeah. And I think if we keep that, you know, if we keep that focus where, you know what, we are, we're going to lift up Jesus um, and, and not, you know, think we can get, get the two to, to come together and let, let them, let, let it, let them go where they may. That what that does is both keep the church focus on Jesus. And I think to one of our listeners questions uh, is that allows us to pursue unity and collaboration with other churches because it's not about the side issues. It's about Jesus and his kingdom. And if we have that view, we'll willingly support, share, pray, be a, you know, talk well about, uh, you know, what they're doing. Yeah. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna support and work with one who takes the clear commands of scripture and says they don't mean what they mean. All right. A form of godliness without the power of it. But almost all of our arguments are about theology, about structure or flags that should be below the Jesus flag. You know, did you vote for this, vote for that candidate? Are you, you know, this? and I'm not saying those aren't important, but here's the other thing. Like I said earlier, we're fish and water. We don't, you know, what water, that's all we've ever known. So we tend to think what we're experiencing now is unique. This has been around forever. You know, I've been at this game for a long, long, long time. And uh, in my life, I have seen this kind of division and passion uh, two times. This is the third one. And a lot of people that are uh, uh, younger uh, think, well, this is the greatest one ever. There are certain unique things about this, but People have always wanted to co-opt the church for their mission and their passion. Uh, even before my time, C.S. Lewis wrote about it in Screw Tape Letters when he talked about, from England's perspective, the argument of should you be a pacifist or a militarist. And nowadays we read that and we don't realize he's talking about the response to Hitler. And in that book, he says to the senior, de the senior demon, the junior demon, it doesn't matter, just make him think, one of those are an important part of his faith. And again, not that those are important, but tying it into his faith. And then it's easy to make him think it's the most important part. And then it won't be long until it's more important than his faith. And I go, well, 
I can name you issue after issue I've seen of that uh, over my my decades of ministry. So, yeah, hey, I'm going to shift gears here. I, um, you know, again in the conversation about the echo chambers we live in, the culture, uh, you know, uh, of just going, okay, this is where we are right now. We have a, a, a church planter question um, that, that I think is a good one. Um, for someone uh, that is in the place of going, you know what, I think I'm called to plant a church in that early phase. Uh, how do you see um, if you were planting a church today, um, these, you know, kind of the volatile times, the cultural, how did, how would that impact your thoughts for church planting today? Well, it, it doesn't change it a whole lot, uh, but it undercuts some of the idealism and, and that where it does change it is more than ever, but this always was the way healthy churches were planted. Uh, you start with reaching the people that you naturally have a bridge to. Right. And so uh, like when I first came to North Coast Church, I'm 28 years old. My wife is 24. Duh. The church is mostly young singles and young marrieds without any kids. Uh, and then as it grew and as I matured and became a little bit older, then we had people with kids and we had people of this. And then we suddenly have adults. And, and then early on, we're near a military base because of a guy who actually planted the church. It was a year and a half old when I came. Um uh, it was filled with enlisted folks because that was kind of his background, extremely blue collar. I had a more white collar background. So we started to draw a few more officers type people as well. But that's who you start with. Uh, a church grows this way. It grows with people who are exactly alike. And as we mature, we get diverse, right? I mean, the early church started with Jews in Jerusalem who spoke a common language. Okay. And then, then it, 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 it grows. Uh, and so I would tell a church planner, don't try to reach the community, try to reach the people that God puts you in contact with. And they're going to have people in contact with them that are going to stretch you just a little bit, socioeconomically, uh, racially, uh, politically, uh, age-wise, station in life, you name it all, uh, the circle grows that way. And so I always tell people, uh, you plan a church that you'd want to go to. And you see who else would want to go to the church that you'd like to go to. Uh, and then as you mature, you broaden it. And as you said earlier, James, there comes this point now where the mature people are laying down some of their preferences, all things to all people that I might reach some, as Apostle Paul said in defending his style of ministry, when people felt he was a little flaky. It's like, no, I'm not flaky, all things to all people that I might reach some. Yeah. Now, great advice uh, for a church planter and freeing advice. When you're planting, don't you're, you're not reaching the whole city to start. Like that, that's not a that's not a burden you have to bear. You love the whole city, you pray for the whole city, but God's going to use a whole lot of people to reach that city besides you. You you start with a low hanging fruit. Yeah, you know, if you're a farmer, only an idiot walks past the low hanging fruit to get the hard stuff. You get the <laughs> low hanging fruit, then you get the hard stuff. Uh, yep. No, that's good. I, I love that. Um, back to our, uh, you know, unity discussion, and I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off with a thought is, you know, uh, how can you help foster a spirit of collaboration uh, in your community? If a community historically pastors have not been friends, done, done things together, and you're the one going, man, I want to you know, I, I, I want to help create that uh, in my community and, and be a catalyst and be a leader uh, for that. Um, what, what are some ways to, to be able to do that is another one of our questions. Well, there's, there's a variety of ways. There's a, a, another really great church and pastor uh, up here in the, what we call uh, North Coastal area. And it's called the same front name, but it's North Coast Calvary Chapel, Mark Foreman. And he's done some things where he brings in some teaching and, and prayer things and all of that, and has created a great sense of community. I've done another one where I have every six weeks a kind of an open whiteboard, what do you want to talk about, and pastors from all around this area come, and how can I help you type of thing. But what it starts with is it starts with something along those lines where you just get together and like each other 
I think the mistake is to try to do projects together. Because here's the problem. This is a personal opinion. I might be dead wrong, but uh, I've always felt like, like, for instance, we do a massive weekend of service and have for, well, I don't know, years and years. Uh, every couple of years, we close down the church the entire weekend and go out and in 48 hours, we'll do as much as $2 million worth of biddable work. And that's not counting man hours. I mean, massive, massive stuff. And so we'll have churches and community want to come alongside us. And we say, no, no, we don't want to do it together, but we'll help you do yours. Because if we have a combined service or do something together, we all sublimate our identity. And we almost become like the old school, if you've ever seen a Nickelodeon or whatever, Lone Ranger show, where he wears a mask all day long and drives off, rides off in the distance. People go, who was that mask man? We want people to know it was North Coast doing these projects, no, uh, showing the love of Jesus, no strings attached. And we want your church to know that because we want people to know where to go. So I think the thing is focus more on never speaking evil and never kicking back. If somebody speaks evil of you, that's between them and Jesus. It's not yours to fix. Uh, and, and then look for those kind of things to say, how can I help you? Buy chairs for a church plant. Uh, hear that a church is in a building program, send a grand or whatever to it. You know, if you're small and don't have much or send something significant. Uh, loan them some of your, your great uh, lay people who are really gifted. You know, we've done that with our real estate. Uh, some of our real estate people help churches. Hey, here's my contact, the guy I always trust. And, and not an agent is getting a commission. No, I mean the absolute free guy who does all of this work for us. It's like, well, okay. I'll call him and see if he's willing to help you. Uh, those are the things that we do. Uh, because when we begin to like each other, we will not speak evil of each other. And people get it. I think the common work days are way, way overrated. Uh, they, at, at the end of it, you look back and you say, well, where are the people uh, that we touched? They don't know where to go. They just wait for the next parade. Yeah. No, I, I love that thought that, you know, we don't, we don't want to diminish any church's influence opportunity. And so doing your own is that you're able to highlight that and celebrate it and not feel like you have to hide it. Yeah. And, and of course you do, right? I mean, right. our size, any other churches working with us would feel threatened inappropriately. So I would have, I was them like, Oh man, you know, there's yeah. all these North coast t-shirts and we've got 14 of ours and they've got, you know, 12,000 yep. of theirs. Like, no, let me help you get your 14 in one place. Absolutely. And, yeah. And I would, I would just encourage everybody listening that it's, you know, uh, in your city, there's probably multiple networks of pastors that are doing what Larry said, you know, here, Mark Foreman, I know in North County does things gathering pastors across track. Larry does this. Uh, I'm a part of, and Larry's been a part of the San Diego church plant movement, which is just getting pastors together to really be friends, to bless new churches coming into our city and foster that environment. So if you're here in San Diego, I'd invite you uh, to be a part of, of SDCPM, San Diego Church Plant Movement, uh, sdcpm.org. You can uh, go check that out. We're going to have a gathering at Exponential for San Diego pastors just to do what Larry just said. Uh, the night of the 7th, we're going to have an opportunity just to share a meal together and hang out afterwards because uh, we just want to create that unity and the whole idea of the conference, the theme uh, together, uh, the great collaboration, like uh, that uh, when new churches, people that preach the gospel come into our communities, we celebrate them. We bless them. We encourage them. We pray for them. We speak well of them. Uh, definitely what we want to do and what we want to be a part of. Um Let's go. We're going to go with probably two more questions as we wrap this up. Again, everybody, thank you. We got about uh, ten minutes. Uh, thank you for being a part of this conversation uh, with Larry Osborne around the theme of the Great Collaboration, uh, which is our theme uh, for the SoCal Regional uh, that is happening uh, October seven eight uh, in English. Uh, you can see the information right there. Uh, together again, uh, that uh, is uh, kind of our, our uh, main stage lineup right there, if you will. It's going to be a great conference. There's some pre-labs. Uh, also, uh, we are hosting, so that is on the 7th and 8th. On the 8th and 9th, same location here in Chula Vista, 
exponential in Espanol, uh, which is going to be great for our Spanish church community in Southern California and even across the border. I know a lot of pastors are coming up uh, to be a part of that. So make sure you go to exponential.org events and uh, join in with us um, as we talk about this great collaboration and we just get to be together. I would love to have you. If you're anywhere near Southern California, make that a priority for you and your team. Uh, Come be a part of that. That is going to be a lot of fun. And if you are a San Diego pastor, San Diego County, uh, we're going to have a free dinner event uh, the night of the 7th just to hang out together. So that will be a lot of fun. And we're in Chula Vista. I can promise tacos and they will be good (laughs) Uh, on that night. So real quick, Larry, our last two uh, in this, uh, where, where are you seeing as we're, you know, there's all these factors, COVID, you know, and how that's affecting people and, and church attendance and, uh, you know, the political thing, all those. Uh, where are you seeing just kind of the kingdom opportunities right now? Like where, you know, in, in just, you know, what again, whether that be locally that things you guys are talking about at the, as the North Coast team, whether that be things you're talking about with pastors that you're mentoring, uh, where are you just seeing some great kingdom opportunities that can be any anything? I just want to open it up um, right now. Well, you know, there's the old story we've all heard about uh, the, the gal who asked her mom, why do we cut the end of the roast and thought that was the key to a good roast? And it was because grandma's oven was too small. So there's, uh, you know, and yours is big enough, you don't need to do this anymore. But so there's a lot of things where we do ministry that way. And I think one of the greatest opportunities is a new awareness of digitally what can take place, real engagement and real life change. Uh, Those of us that are up on a stage, uh, we think that, that we've been called to be in large group settings so we can all be together as casual acquaintances or strangers. And there's a lot of beauty in that. I love large gatherings, okay? I wouldn't have, you know, I would have left when this church got big if I didn't like them. I think it makes come and see evangelism so much easier when you're able to have all the services, all the full ministries, programs, uh, you know, the lights and the hazers and all that. I'm willing to use all of those things because come and see evangelism better. But when the scriptures call us to gather together, it was a day and age of zero mobility, so we're talking house churches, small gatherings, and uh, and and we grow in discipleship by obedience to Scripture. And one of the tools God has always used is His teaching, but it's not a teaching with a microphone and a platform is the only way. We're just so familiar to that, uh, and and we gather all kinds of information digitally, but we've somehow gotten the idea that digital church isn't real church. Uh, and what makes me laugh the most is when I read it in a blog, <laughs> somebody writing to somebody that's not in their presence, they've never met or whatever, and say, this is a totally legit way to change the way you think about church and to teach you scripture, but a pastor who's on a screen doesn't. Uh, and so COVID has, has speeded up uh, the process of adapting, adopting rather, uh, the sense that real engagement, real change can take place in small house churches and gatherings uh, when a family takes their kid to a club program, which I'm not a big fan of, and all the championships are on Sunday. I think there's a lot of things broken with that, but I can either preach against it or I can meet them where they are and say, hey, we've got online service that's awesome, tailored for online, well-mixed, well-lit, you know, the whole bit. So I think that's one of the greatest opportunities. Uh, another is um, there's there's been a thinning of the herd. Uh, we're in the process of re-upping. Anybody with a church loan knows you might get a 20-year amortization, but it's due every five or seven years, and you got to re-up it. So we're in the process uh, on a loan that way. And so I'm talking to some national uh, uh, people in the lending area, and I'm very privileged. I, I think probably many of you know to be pretty bilingual in the body of Christ. I work with lots of tribes, lots of different groups, et cetera. And so because of that, I get to see a lot of things some don't get to see as far as what patterns are. But I didn't know this because I'm not in the banking thing normally. And that is, uh, we were talking about the loss of giving units, the 60%, 70% attendance. And so we pulled up our giving units in a way I had not looked at carefully in a while. And that was how many give above 10,000, five to 10,000, you know, 
uh, three to five, 1,000, less than 500, less than 250. Almost all of the loss of giving units, which feeds into loss of attendance, was those who gave less than $250 a year. And the next loss was less than 500. Now, I'm not judging uh, whether or not Jesus loves you based on what you give, but I am judging your commitment to the kingdom since he said something about that. Uh, and so I think we got used to counting people that were in the audience. Uh, and uh, and what this guy was telling me is what I just described is pretty much across the country. He says, healthy churches have less attendance, but a weird thing is in their giving units, 90% of the loss is people that were tipping once in a while for some special cause or whatever. And I went, ah, oh, okay. And then I started looking more. Oh, yeah, and they weren't serving either. And they weren't. So what we've got is we've had a thinning of the herd that can be an opportunity uh, to say, well, maybe we need a few less services or whatever, but we can we can call people uh, to even a higher level of commitment. So I would say those are the two biggest things uh, that uh, have opened up. Um, legit online life change. And yeah. uh, and a thinning of the herd that is a little bit of thank you, Jesus, but now I don't look so good on the Outreach 100 list. <laughs> I'm just not going to turn that in from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet a lot of churches won't. <laughs> uh, I've noticed that over the years. They only turn yeah. it in when it's going up. No, that's good. Hey, uh, our last, we're just in our last few minutes to get here. Uh, again, thank you, everybody, for uh, being a part of this conversation uh, around the idea of what unites us and how we can be leaders who are part of this great collaboration, um, seeing God's kingdom come, uh, his will be done in our cities as it is in heaven, uh, and uh, living out that unity that Jesus prayed for in John 17. And we're going to be talking about that over the course of two days, October 7, 8. I would love for you to be a part of our SoCal Exponential Regional. It's down here in uh, South Bay uh, of San Diego County, Chula Vista, uh, right here at uh, Eastlake Church. And would love for you to join us and be a part of that. And then uh, last question, Larry, uh, just as we wrap this up in the last uh, three minutes, uh, as one of our you know main stage speakers, as we're looking at that regional conference, um, you know, and you've been a part of these and, and been such a part of the exponential team and, and anything you can do to help and bless, you know, so many church planters are part of that, but also so many pastors who just have a heart for multiplication. And uh, what would be just kind of, uh, you know, your kind of one prayer that would be or encouragement that as we gather uh, together, um that would, you know, here, here'd be my prayer that would, I pray that man, church planners would leave with and pastors would leave with, you know, what as a result of uh, our gathering on the seventh and eighth. Well, I, I would hope that it's a commitment to take some real practical steps to work together at deep levels of supporting each other, as opposed to occasional events, you know, clean up the beach days or whatever. It's, you know, we, we've got to go away from show to reality. And um, that's what I would hope, that somehow the Spirit of God would help from what I talk about and other people talk about, that there's genuine takeaway of, oh, we can do this. Yes. So our next step of obedience to being a kingdom church instead of a castle church. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, as we wrap up, again, thank you, everybody, for being a part of this. Larry, would you just pray that for all of us that are on sure. here? Sure. Father, we know that uh, the world will know that we are yours by uh, walking as one. And we would pray that would uh, more and more uh, through the situations we find ourselves in and where we minister today, uh, be more and more reality instead of just empty words. And uh, I would pray that out of the time uh, we've had today and out of the gathering that's going to be in Chula Vista coming up, that you would show us uh, not just a bunch of information, you would not just give us a motivation, but you'd give us some real practical steps that in each of our unique situations and ministries, uh, we could take uh, to not only show the world that we are one, but to actually link arms together 
in the sense that a cord of three is so hard to be broken compared to the cord of one. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Well, hey, thank you, everybody. Uh, thanks for being a part of this. Uh, have a great week, and we hope to see you October 7, 8, if you are anywhere near Southern California. Uh, Larry will be with us then again, and that's going to be a great time. Have a great day.